Hello and welcome to the uh, exciting finale of the Amazing Avenue Winters <clears throat> Winter Meetings special. Uh, tonight we'll be recapping the Winter Meetings, which finished yesterday, and uh, kind of assessing where the the roster stands since um, the meetings have ended. So I'm Kenneth Lavin. Um, I'm joined today by Lucas Vlahos. How are you today, Lucas? Uh, quite tired, but but still here. It's been a long week. It has been. Very long week. Mm -hmm. A lot of things have happened. Uh, not nearly enough, but. (laughs) Not nearly enough, but also, I could, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse, you're right. Um, so yeah, I guess we should get into it. Mm -hmm. Um, the Mets signed Rick Porcello to a one year, $10 million contract. Uh, this was like literally, Four or five hours after we finished the last pod we did? Yeah, it was kind of a bummer. <laughs> it's like we had a whole conversation about Michael Waka and how he was a, a reasonable fifth starter gamble. And that I'm pretty sure both of us said that we were just glad they didn't sign Rick Porcello. And then they turned around and signed Rick Porcello. To be honest, I, I don't hate it since they also brought in Waka. I feel like between the two of them, there's a pretty good chance <laughs> they at least get like usable big league innings. Yeah. Uh, so how do you think they're gonna? This is gonna, how do you think the rotation is gonna shake out here exactly? So I guess there are two possibilities, or, or two guys left on the outside looking in. There's um, Michael Waka, who I think probably should be. And Steven Matz, who mm-hmm. is intriguing in his own right, but I think is probably a better starter mm-hmm. than Waka at this point. Not mm-hmm. that Steven, but it, it's close, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's kind of how I see it shaking out. I think a six man rotation is also possible. Uh, per, per a couple tweets from Tacoma, they're not going to do a six man rotation. Okay. Yeah. So I, I think it's, it, it comes down to whoever looks best. Uh, Waka or Steven Matz. Yeah, I mean, I'm. My initial fear was that they were going to trade Syndergaard on the back of this, right? Mm-hmm. Because they've been trying to do that forever. But Brody, at the start of the offseason, said they weren't doing that, reaffirmed that they aren't going to do that. And I don't know how much we trust the Mets, but it's something. Uh,. If they traded Syndergaard, this would be very, very, very bad. Yeah, so they they can't lose a, a starter here. No, is is the problem. Like you can you can cover for injuries at, at for a certain amount of time, but you know the likelihood is this team is going to live and die by their starting pitching health. I'm um, good. I'm I'm a little kid flicked on the move. To be totally honest, I, I was I'm trying to write up a, a grading piece right now, mm-hmm. uh, and. Uh, I'm I'm fluctuating a little bit. Uh, first of all, I have some real concerns about Porcello at this point. Mm-hmm. Did we ever decide if it was he's Porcello? very target? Uh, I think it's Porcello. Porcello. So I have to say, right. stop saying it like a porcini mushroom. Which is I, just so like, I'm currently doing a bit where I say it the other way every time and alternate. Uh huh. Welcome to join the bit if you'd like. Uh huh. Uh huh. Got it. <laughs> The bit also uh, may have been ruined now that I have. I, I, have, I have unveiled your bit. Ah. <laughs> um, where the heck is my draft in chorus? Here it is. Um, 
See, I was talking about Michael Walker. Uh, like, we talked about Michael Walker, and, like, I don't know that there's a lot to be seen in his, his Brooks data, for instance, right? I think he was just hurt, mm-hmm. and he's had a lot of shoulder-back things, which might have been to have a cumulative effect at this point. He might just be cooked. He's his, also his, a fastball changeup guy, and those guys tend to be a little more volatile than. Yeah, you know. yeah. I, I, the the margin for error is much more slim with when you're fastball changeup. Right. Um, of course, it works really well when you're on. So, so I think it's a good. I thought that was a fine risk reward. With Porcello, I think there's legitimate concern with his pitch mix. So I talk about this in the article, which I'll try to have up this weekend, hopefully. Uh, but his his pitches had less movement. Well, let, let me let me. I'm I'm spoiling it here. The first thing I looked at was his usage because his ground ball rate went to shit last year, which is not what you expect from Rick Porcello. And he was throwing the ball up in the zone a lot more. He was also grooving a lot more pitches, which isn't a very good thing, obviously. And, yeah, and we typically best avoided. His, yeah, he, he was leaning on his four seam fastball more than ever before. Um, as a guy who has historically been known as a guy with a heavy sinker who will induce ground balls. And then looking at the actual pitch-specific data, he's lost almost a mile an hour off the board across every pitch. Uh, uh, and I think I did that backwards, whatever. Um, and, and lost movement on almost every pitch, including uh, an inch and a half of, of less drop on a sinker. So there's a question here, right? Were these – did he try to change his approach intentionally to something that just didn't work? So he tried to alter his pitches and his pitch usage? Uh, to be more of a high up in the zone guy, and it just didn't work. Or is he? Did he just lose his sinker slash his other breaking balls and have to lean on his four seed more and just get pounded? Based on the fact that there's movement loss across the board, I lean towards the latter. Uh, especially because he's also a 30 year old who debuted at 20 and already has 2,000 innings on his arm, right? So it, it's it's an old 30. Uh, it's very Vargas like Porcello, if you like. Hmm. Um, like, I mean, Vargas is a very different pitcher, but just going for that class of guy who, like, everybody's like, okay, no, this might legitimately be going. Mm-hmm. You know, but they they still decided to bring him in. And because of that, I'm like, look, in a vacuum, uh, uh, signing, having six good starters is, is good. It's a thing a team should do. It's a thing the Mets have never done well, so that's a, a plus. Mm-hmm. But Steven Matz is a better pitcher than either of these guys right now. Mm-hmm. And, but, but, but both Porcello and Waka talked about being, well, Porcello hasn't had his, his press conference yet, I guess. It's not official, mm-hmm. but whatever. But Waka specifically talked about being a starter, being signed to be a starter. So the Mets presumably have guaranteed he's going to get a chance to start, which means you're putting a worse pitcher in the bullpen or a better pitcher in the bullpen in Mets. Uh, so I don't know how I feel about that exactly. So I'm still waiting to see how that's going to shake out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Waka might <clears> – <throat> it might not come down to what he wants, you know. We don't know. I, I haven't even seen speculation about him, you know, feeling like he's been has, – has he, like, said that he, he's pretty much been assured he's going to be a starter? I mean, he talked about being a starter in his press conference, which makes me think 
that. Yeah, yeah, that that might be. That the Mets said we're going to sign you to be a starter. Um, okay, so I agree that that would be dumb. That Stephen Matz is probably a better pitcher than the two of them at this point, mm-hmm. and therefore should probably be a starter. And specifically, you know, is the only one of those three that I, I really would trust more than one time through a lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I agree with that. I think in a vacuum, though, I, I if you're gonna if this is the bargain, this is the you know tier of free agency that you're aiming for i like that you at least brought in two of them well that's the other thing i wanted to mention right because first of all michael pineda signed for the same aav as rick porcello Mm -hmm. what what are you doing like michael pineda is is a much better pitcher i i I don't that that well the the thing here is that they waited That when you wait to do everything, I mean, they only waited a week. you miss out on the, the good options. It was, yeah, it was only like, an extra week. So it's only been a week. We've done week. like four podcasts since then <laughs> and <laughs> took true. a day off. That's true. <laughs> Happy birthday, by the way. Um, Thank you. Uh, so that was the first point, right? But mm-hmm. but but now I, I was sitting down and just trying to think about the trade-off here, right? If you're going to spend – and let's pres- – like Waka's base is $3 million, he probably won't get to the 10 million, the full 10 million, mm-hmm. but let's, he probably gets to five or seven mm-hmm. with, with the, it, depending on how the incentives are structured. If you're going to spend 17 million on two back end starters, why not just spend that much or a little bit more on a front end starter? Like Yunjin Ryu. Yeah, or, no, I'm, 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 I'm grading on a curve a little bit. <laughs> Well, well, they spent the money, right? It's like this is much better. Yeah, I know it's just much better than I was expecting, which is like Michael Walker and then nothing else. Yeah, Walker Lockett territory. I I don't know. I I, I get what you're saying. Like everything you're like, saying, is right? <laughs> like if they had seventeen million dollars to spend, and I'm just approx, I'm gonna keep approximating Walker seven million here. If they had that much money to spend, I'm pretty sure there was a more optimal way to yeah, spend Yeah, you could probably it. get, you know, that's what, almost nine, eight and a half million? Yeah. What did, like what did Drew Pomerantz get? Uh, he got 439, uh, the 436 or 432? Oh, yeah, 432. Here, but... So you could have Drew Pomerantz, you could have had Will Harris, uh, you could have Dylan Batantis, but I don't much care about him, honestly. Uh, uh, I mean, or you know, what what does that go for in starting? That's basically Michael probably Pineda, right? For about that AV, right? You like think how so? much money, how Yeah, much, I guess. How much money is Hyunjin Ryu going to get? He has like one really good season, a couple solid seasons, and a lot of injuries. That's true. And we could sit around and debate the trade off of like one high end number three, number two starter, or two low end number four, number five starters, and which are more valuable. Uh, mm-hmm. I tend to think I'd rather have one stronger asset and then kind of patch together ten I'm, or so I'm starts from Walker. A little, a little bias because I, I just really don't want to see Walker Lockett starting games. <laughs> it's also fair. Like we all, like, sure, we're, I'm, I'm sure he's going to pitch for them this year, and that's great. Just mm-hmm. like you should have depth that 
keeps that from happening. I mean, I mean that's, that's another... on the team. He's going to be in the bullpen at various times. That, you know? That's absolutely another fair point. And this has been something I've often wondered both eternally and out loud over the past couple of years when the Mets are accused of, of, or not even accused, I shouldn't say accused, but when they're critiqued for not having ample starter depth, it's like, yes, but how do you build starter depth when you have a full rotation of guys who are better than most of the free agents you can get? Like, what? where are you going to find a starter that's simultaneously better than the mediocre options you have in the minors already, but who is willing to work in relief as a sixth or seventh starter? Like, I don't know that there are a lot of – I feel like that's a tough profile to nail, right? Yeah, so you're basically saying, like, Yuzmira Petit, right? Well, Petit hasn't been a starter for a while. Yeah, but he can do it. Sure. Uh, uh, he's been very good out of the pen, and it hasn't pressed his ser- his um hasn't they haven't needed his services as a starter. But I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think started games as recently. Yeah. Okay. We're going back to like 2014. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in in short, it feels like uh uh, it's really challenging to. Build good starting pitching depth if you don't have homegrown prospects that you can shuttle, right? Because if that makes sense, right? Because otherwise you have to have a starter sitting in the bullpen, which is either a suboptimal deployment of of your talent or 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 something you have to sell to a free agent. Um, which what which then leaves us in this conundrum that we're talking about with Matts, where like. He's probably a better starter than the two guys they just signed. But in mm-hmm. order to get the two guys they just signed to sign, they had to tell them they were yeah, starters. Yeah, potentially they have to. And, and, like, that sucks for Stephen Matz, too. He has, like, what, two years left before free agency? Probably. I mean, I, I also think, though, um, and, and we talked about this a little bit in Slack today, I think Stephen Matz, <clears throat> his stuff, I think, out of the three of them would play the best out of the pen. Oh, I, I absolutely agree. I wish the other two were better so that <laughs> I would feel okay doing that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's a bit of yeah, a I, bit I could see though. him playing really, really uh, – his stuff playing way, way, way up. Out of the yeah, I, can, I absolutely agree with that. I, 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 it's, a, it's, a, it's a side of the game that I don't know that we are as well equipped to discuss in the public side, that being how do you juggle mm-hmm. – personalities in in these situations yeah true so that's the other part of it is you know everybody wants to be a starter and right like seth lugo wants to be a starter apparently supposedly um or at least that's the the whisper we always hear um and he's been a good soldier and he's been a really really good reliever um i don't know i i I'm it's the old thing where um you know, it's a blessing in disguise being an elite reliever. Yeah. Well, I am a little surprised that this sentiment still exists as strongly, given that relievers are now paid as well or better than plenty of the free agent starters, right? Like, unless you're... Uh, There's still a gap there, though. It's like Michael Pineda got 210. Yeah. Is there that much of a gap, though? Like, like... Will, Will Smith got, like, 310. <laughs> Will Smith got, like, 452. Did he? Yeah. It was so long ago at this point. Yeah, that was the the the, the Braves struck really quick there. 
three guaranteed years at thirty nine million. Atlanta has a thirteen right. million club yeah, option. Yeah, a little gap there. Yeah. So I, 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 at the very least, that gap is much smaller than it used to be, right? Yeah, true. And if your if your options are to be a good somewhere between a good and elite reliever and being a mediocre starter, I'm pretty sure that class of relievers gets paid better these days. At least on the free agent yeah. market. True. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I'm still going back and forth on how to grade this. Uh, there's some good to it, some bad to it. Uh, yeah, and especially in isolation, I, mm-hmm. I think if you don't consider context and just process, it's not great. Yeah, it's just the Mets being the Mets. <laughs> Is, is why I give them a little more credit here. <laughs> also, like, why Rick? Por- why why were they so set on Rick Porcello? Like, oh, he ticks every box. He's from Jersey. Oh, God. Is he from Jersey? I thought he was from Long Island. That's what Rich was joking about. Well, well, all right, whatever. Rich was joking about in the Slack about like Stroman, Mats, and uh, uh, yeah, Morris. Like, bada bing, uh, bada boom, <laughs> or, or whatever. <laughs> Uh, some bullshit tri-state area Italian stuff I say as an Italian person from the tri-state area. Um, but like Homer Bailey is probably a better pitcher at this point. Yep. Probably going to get less money. I, I don't know. Um, no, I feel you. It's not great. But Gio Gonzalez. Uh, it's not great, but it's something. That's could gamble on Jimmy yeah. Nelson. Could, being further away, could gamble on Danny Salazar. That, that the his shoulders probably screwed. Uh, Tyler Anderson got non-tendered, and if his knee's healthy, he's probably a better pitcher. Uh, but yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, we'll see how the rest of the offseason plays out. Yep. Uh, so let's uh, go to a break real quick, and then we'll we'll come back and probably just pick up right where we left off. So. Back after this. Welcome back to the uh, grand finale of the Amazing Avenue Winter Meeting Special. I'm Ken Lavin. I'm joined by Lucas Vlahos. And, uh, yeah, we just discussed Rick Porcello, uh, the signing of Rick Porcello to be presumably the team's fifth starter. Uh, now we're just going to kind of go over everything that's happened and kind of where the team's at. So, Lucas, would you like to begin? <laughs> Yeah, so uh uh like just general sum- impressions of this, this they could have definitely done better at these winter meetings. Mm-hmm. Um but they could have definitely done worse, right? Uh we we've talked about it a little bit uh, uh Yeah, it's fully expecting them not to come in with like a roster anywhere near filled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I was fully expecting especially with the ownership change being announced and everything that like nothing was going to happen, so I'm I'm fine with what happened. I mean, I also fully expected them to do something stupid like trade Brandon Nimmo for Starling Marte. Yeah, on that front, I'm I am thrilled. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it see it seems they've kind of backtracked there a little bit, uh, walking walked back their desire to uh, 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 make that trade. Yeah, they they basically I forget who tweeted it, but one of the beat writers ran a quote of from somebody basically saying like they don't view that as a significant upgrade if an upgrade mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. Nimmo and 
Marisnik, which is basically what we said about it. Yep. Yep. That's exactly, that's exactly right. So I'm glad so a lot they of see... the more extreme positions have been walked back a little bit. Was it last offseason they were talking about trading? Or was it uh, Nimmo for Josh Harrison? Or was that two offseasons ago? That was two offseasons ago, I think. Seasons ago, yeah. So for the second time, we've dodged a let's trade Brandon Nimmo for a bad aging player. Not bad. For for an aging player from the Pirates. Uh, yeah, for a player who wouldn't cost that much to replace in free agency. Yep. Yep. So like, uh, they avoid not that. Not you should trade pre-arb talent for, but mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I am a little disappointed in we, – we, we've discussed the starters at Dawstream at this point. At least they added something. They tried. Um, I'm pretty I, dis- I wouldn't go so far as to say they tried. <laughs> they did something. This is still – yeah, no, like they, they did a thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was not expecting them to do a thing. They did two things, Ken. They did, they two did a few things. things. <laughs> the Yankees only did one thing. The Mets did two things. <laughs> Two is bigger than one. Volume. Jesus, Jesus, doing the finger thing again. <laughs> um. Yeah, we should we should pump Dave a little bit. <laughs> yeah, add him to your MySpace top eight or whatever. Yeah, uh, follow, follow at Dave Cap Bianco or whatever his Twitter. Dave Cap Bianco is his name. Yep. He's good. <laughs> um. I'm pretty disappointed in the total lack of bench moves. Um. Yeah, they still have a ways to go. So what's the bench look like right now? Uh, Jed Lowry, Beriznik, Guillaume, Nito, and Max Moroff. Assuming, has the 26 roster spot been confirmed? That, that's confirmed, I think right? So, yeah. Okay. Right. So that's the bench right now, and that's bad. Yeah, not great, Bob. That's, that's pretty thin. Um, so yeah, they, they still have to do things. Um, which is unfortunate because I, I would like them not to have to do things at this point. But uh, there's still things to be done. I feel a little better with the pitching staff. Yeah. I don't feel great. I wish they would bring in another good reliever. Because, um, yeah, you can carry eight relievers with a 26-man – or eight pitchers. Mm-hmm. Or eight you, relievers. Can, you can carry at most eight. So Or at, mo- at most 13, which eight, eight relievers. And right sure. now – if our assumption about Mass going to the bullpen is correct, you're looking at Diaz, Lugo, Familia, Wilson, Gazelman, Mats. Did I say Wilson already? Uh, Wilson, and then in, in, in eighth spot, that's something of a question mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and- yeah, I would ideally like that eighth spot to be filled with somebody good because I, I don't think they're going to get a lot from at least Jerry's Familia – and there's enough risk spread around where. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they. Have, I, I'd like another solid dude. I have I have some faith in Dyes' ability to bounce back. Me too. Uh, Lugo I think is Wilson good. is still a good pitcher. Um, Lugo, I think, is elite. Yeah. So I think you have like two frontline quote unquote relievers in Dyes and Lugo. There's your eight and nine inning guy, eighth and ninth inning guys. Uh, Whatever. Uh, then you have a couple decent mid-tier options like uh, Wilson. Uh, uh, I'm comfortable slotting Mats into that that pool yep. of, of mid-tier options. Uh, then you have like the two lower-end options, that being Familia and and oh Brock in that mid-tier as well. Um, 
And then you have Fabillion Gazelman in the bottom tier. Now, I think Fabillion could be good again. He's lost some weight. Maybe that helps It's entirely possible. I don't want to count on it. Yeah, me neither. No, so I'm definitely putting him in that bottom tier. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Gazelman is good. Like, he's a... Gazelman should be the eighth guy in the bullpen. Yeah. He's like... And I I think, if I'm not mistaken, he still has options left. Not that you'd necessarily want to do that. But... At this point, it, it's been a long time since he was, like, above average. Mm-hmm. Um, and I he's would have... never been above average out of the pen, except in, like, very short bursts. Yep. I would have no qualms about I, – I think in my ideal world, I would get two more relievers and option Gazelman to be a, a depth starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and... I think that's fair. And just tell him to deal with it, right? Like, get better or, or tough shit. Yeah, no, and honestly, I, I think – um He'd, he'd get starts, like, mm-hmm. even in this, you know, thing. He'd end up in the pen probably for half the year. Because yep. part, of, part of why I think they need at least one reliever is these guys are never all going to be healthy. Yeah, they were very lucky last year. At, at best, you, you're going to have, like, six of these guys at any given time mm-hmm. of the, the seven that we've announced. Mm-hmm. And the likelihood is you're going to have, like, five. Mm-hmm. So having one more legitimate, um, well, I guess I'll call them like guy you can trust there, I think would be just make or break for this group. I think in an ideal world, they get one more guy for that middle tier and another guy for that frontline tier. Where um, does, uh, where does Will Harris fit in there? I'd call him frontline. Okay. I agree. I'd call him, I'd call Craig Stallman midline. So, like, a guy better than Brad Brock and a guy who's legitimately very good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. If Batances is healthy, he's frontline, but I don't want that risk. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of unknowns there. Uh-huh. Um, I'm just going through the free agent list right now. The relief I, yeah, market is... certainty. It's surprisingly bad this year. I mean, it also, again, doesn't help that a lot of pitchers have signed at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. I mean, the brave side. All of the ones that <laughs> mm-hmm. don't, you know, have serious risk factors. I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate Stallman as a, a mid-tier option. Mm-hmm. Um, there are there are a couple guys I'd be interested in taking taking a gamble on. Uh, uh, Brandon Morrow would be an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Uh, just see if his arm health is healthy. If you could convince Danny Salazar to be a reliever, I'd totally gamble on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's not a lot of great options here, which leads to another rumor that the, makes me very happy if you want to lay the groundwork for that one. Yeah. So apparently the Mets are interested in Jose Leclerc of the Rangers. I love Lucas. me some Jose Leclerc. I've been. Yeah, he is extremely my shit. <laughs> yeah. I, I, we, they, there was a rumor that they asked about him last year and I got super excited. I had him in my AOP, the AAOP this year. Um, so, so Jeff, Jeff made a comment like it, it's sometimes 30 command. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely true. Uh, it's quite possible his command was sitting between 30 and 40 for most of last year. Want to get guess what his DRA minus was last year despite a BB9 of 5.1? DRA minus? Yeah. 90? 
61.5. Okay, yeah, that's pretty pretty great. <laughs> he was almost 40% better than league average. Like, he's really, really, really good. Uh, they yeah, they 3.0 by DRA. Wow. Mm-hmm. He had a better season by, by BP's metrics than I would have thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, they used him as an opener for a little bit as well, so he has a little experience doing that. He has experience closing. He has a, a really team-friendly contract that has options through 2025, I believe. Um, and supposedly the Mets were dangling something with Jed Lowry and Dom Smith, which makes sense for the Rangers roster construction, honestly. Um, but also just like trade Dom Smith and get something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I like understand. you could get something else in addition to Leclerc mm-hmm. potentially. Uh, I think you have, because of the contract, I think you have to add to Dom to get Leclerc. Like, yeah. Which I'm totally fine doing. Like, add a mid-tier prospect to Dom for Jose Leclerc, where do I sign? Um, so, I'll, I'll put it this way, if they, if they polished off the bullpen with, like, just Leclerc, I'd be happy. If they did Leclerc, and I'd be really happy. And if they did Leclerc and, like, another mid-tier signing, I'd be ecstatic. I'd be like, great. It's more than I expected. Um the bench still scares me, especially because of their intense desire to trade away Jed Lowry, it seems. Lowry, yeah, Lowry, again, whatever. So, like, part of me, and and I don't know if this is reasonable or not, but part of me just never thinks he's going to be on the field. Just having seen how weird that was. <laughs> you think you think he's borked permanently? I, I think that's possible, and I, I like Jed Lowry a lot. Um I was very much in favor of the signing at the time. Yeah, dude. But this was super weird. <laughs> mm. And I, I don't know that I try, like, something this weird gives me pause. Well, I'm trying to think how you'd even fill out the bench. Like, let's say they dump Lowry. How do you fill out the bench without him? Uh... Oh, I don't know that they do. Um just, it, the bench is bad. Even I also him. don't think it makes sense to get rid of you know a usable, potentially usable player. You know, right? Yeah, absolutely. Which, which I get. It's just part of me thinks they're going to get zero from it, especially with how much time Cano missed last year. Right? Like Cano could it, miss. It's time. a fear-based reaction, Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> well, Cano missed time. McNeil yeah. doesn't exactly have a clean health history. He yeah, McNeil's going to be need to be managed. Yeah, he always gets some random shit. And moreover, if you have a legitimate ninth bat, which if healthy Lowry is, you can load manage everyone. True. Which is probably a good thing. Um, but more importantly, yeah, so, like if you get rid of Lowry, you don't have a. I don't. There's not a single batch on the bench. Bat on the bench. It's nothing. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. Just part of me, like seeing him run around, you know, the infield, outfield area. In, in Coney Island this year mm-hmm. did not fill me with confidence on him being a usable big leaguer. Yeah. I wonder but also I, I get what you're saying. And I don't think that they, there's a, I don't think giving him away um, in, in a straight salary dump or when you could otherwise get more for whatever you're trading is a particularly like good process move. Yep. Yep. 
Uh, and I seriously doubt they're going to make any notable. Uh, now, now I will, I will say this is good that they they're slow playing the bench market. Like I think that's part of your roster. You can wait to fill out. Um, I was a little, little annoyed they let Culberson go for a minor league deal. I thought he fit nicely, but whatever. Um, well, I, I guess we should transition to the last thing here, which is it makes the the intense desire oh, to dump Lowry. Yeah, let's, let's take a break first. Okay. Like, uh, yeah. So we'll be right back after this. This is the Amazing Avenue Winter Meeting Special, and yeah, back after this. Welcome back to the um, grand finale of the first ever Amazing Avenue winter meeting special i'm ken lavin this is lucas flahos and um something incredibly weird happened today mm-hmm. very weird uh the mets announced that they had reached a settlement with yoana cespedes to drastically reduce both the money he's owed from last season and the money he is owed for the upcoming season so lucas if you want to so apparently they withheld some pay last year uh, and they, part of the settlement was not having to pay all of that. And then they reduced his contract this year to 10 million guaranteed. It was 29 and a half million, um, with incentives up to 20 million if he gets on the field, basically. Um, so that, that's I, basically a Rick Por- Porcello sized. <laughs> And now yeah, so, coming back into their pockets. So, so knowing the Mets, they're gonna they're gonna count that those incentives as spent already. So essentially, they saved ten million off his contract. So they got one free run, Rick Porcello, free of charge. Um. Uh, so, so I, I definitely uh, I, I, look. I, I'm one of the. I'm trying to phrase this correctly so I don't just get flamed. Uh. I'm one of the more management-friendly uh, uh, voices on the staff, I think, which isn't <laughs> to say I'm a Wilpon defender, but I understand the perspective of management more often than than. Uh, yeah, not hard. Like like a like not hard to do. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Like, to lead one very strong way. <laughs> Right, right. Everyone in our, most of our staff is like extremely pro labor, and I would definitely call myself labor leaning, but not as strongly. Um, and the Mets have done lots of shady, shitty things to guys over the years. Like, look at what a Danny Echeverria, what they did to a Danny Echeverria, uh, the, the bullshit Carlos Beltran went through way back when, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, if the settlement was if the if Cespedes' side did indeed settle and settled for this much less money, that suggests to me that there there is something legitimate here. This isn't just the Mets being shitty. This is you did something that that this is he legitimately thought he probably had a, a pretty good shot at losing the grievance. Right, so. right. Like and, and and it's shitty. It is what it is. You know. I, I, I I know there's I know there's a strong sentiment that, that there's a strong idea that major leaguers should be allowed to live their life, which they should be. But, but try to put yourself in the employer's shoes for a moment, right? You're paying someone to do a job. They did something unrelated to the job that prevents them from doing the job. So, I I I, I fully recognize we're never gonna know. Mm-hmm. That that's the other aspect, happened. Here, right? Like yeah. Um, so I, I don't think we can, we can say 
for certain, yeah. or at least I'm not equipped to say being, yeah. you know, just a, a guy who follows this team probably closer than I should. Um, we all do, Ken. None of us should yeah. be invested in the Mets. Let's be real. Yep. You know, all I know is I like Ioannis Espedes a lot. Mm-hmm. I've said many times, I think, um, on a pure talent basis, he's one of, if not the best player I've ever seen play live, just purely from a, a talent and things they can do standpoint. Mm-hmm. I've seen him do legitimately things that I, I did not think were possible. I, I'm I'm still amazed at how far he can underhand flip the baseball. Yeah, that's that wild lo- to me, that, and how casually he does it. He does it with, like, fl- like flicks his wrist and it goes yeah, from left field to first base. Epically entertaining player. Absolutely, yeah. When even remotely healthy. I would mm-hmm. argue, and, and, like, he's shown over the years that if he can stand, he can hit. <laughs> he's played through literally, you know, bones growing where they're not supposed to grow in his heels. And hey, he'd be, he'd remarkably be real nice. consistent. Mm-hmm. He'd be a real nice fifth bat on the bench come playoff time if he can get back, that's for sure. So, you know, if this, if restructuring the money makes it likely, more likely that he sees the field and, you know, that there might be a chance that he, he makes it back because there's no longer an incentive for him not to be brought back, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it, I'm, I, I'm sure it's, it's good it's a in that much. perspective. Like, I would love like nothing would make me happier than Yoenis Espedes being back on a baseball field, and I feel like this makes that slightly more likely. I saw some people tweeting some that. Way. I saw some people tweeting that like docked pay makes him less likely to get back on the field. Honestly, I don't know. I, I think your comment about the fact that we don't know what happened. Yep. Totally fair. And I. I, I I'm And also we don't know where he's at. It's just that that was my immediate thought is that you know maybe we'll get to see Yo this year. I don't know. And the Mets have done nothing to earn the benefit of the doubt. Baseball as a whole has done nothing to earn benefit of the doubt. Um but but this was such a, a one-sided settlement it seems that hopefully this wasn't just a a team abusing its power. Uh, yep. And, and that's completely fair. We'll never know one way or another. Let's just so hope it, that Yo comes back. Yep. And the one thing we do I'm know is I'm slightly more confident it happens than I was before. Yep. That's so. fair. And the one thing we do know is they saved this money. Now stop trying to ju- dump Jed Lowry so you can sign Dylan Patances, please. Yep, just sign Dylan Patances. It's not that hard. Just, sign don't, don't sign Dylan Patanza. <laughs> sign someone else with the money you'd spend on Dylan Patanza. Just, just use the money and I'll be happy. I don't care what you do with it. Yep. yep. At Mets. I don't care. <laughs> uh, I could find some real bad ways to spend that money, Ken. <laughs> Come up with some very Metsian ways to – how do you feel about Wellington Castillo backup catcher? I don't feel great. <laughs> you know what I would feel good about? Jason Castro. <laughs> Yes, please. Co-starting catcher. Yeah, screw making of the co-starting catcher. You can be the starting catcher. I don't care. Yeah, true. He's the long side of the platoon. Yeah, exactly. Make him the starting catcher, please. At Mets, do it. You could also <laughs> roster three catchers then and use Ramos as a pinch hitter because Ramos can still hit. Ramos can hit. Third, and you have a third catcher. That's true. Huge idea, I know, Mets, but but you, I think they could. I think they can grasp that. <laughs> 
Yes, three is indeed more than two. Uh huh. <laughs> we did three things at the winter meeting. <laughs> they did, and like two before. <laughs> yep. Can't wait till that Brody pressure. Yeah, the Yankees only signed two free agents this offseason. We signed five. Okay, Brody. <laughs> Uh, uh, so the final thing that happened at the, uh, winter meetings is actually not something we're going to talk about. It's, uh, because it's, it's kind of duplicative with a podcast we're going to be putting out on Monday, uh, the two of us and Steve Saipa mm-hmm. on, uh, this week's From Complex to Queens. We'll talk about the, uh, brief things that the Mets did in Rule 5, uh, going to, I think, I think it was just one minor league free agent signing or yep. minorly in addition to that. So we're going to cover all that on, on Sunday. Um, so yeah, tune in, uh, same place you find this and yeah. So this has been the first, uh, amazing Avenue winter meeting special. Uh, if you made it this far, five episodes in, thanks so much for listening and sticking with us. Uh, I know it probably wasn't always easy, but thanks it means a lot. <laughs> We've uh, we've never been on our own before. Yeah, it stresses me out every time, Lucas. But mm-hmm. <laughs> but throw it out. It's into always the pretty cold pleasant. Void. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I'm Ken Lavin. You can find me on Twitter at KenLavin91. Uh, my co-host tonight has been Lucas Vlahos. You can find him on Twitter at lvlahos343. Uh, Lucas, do you have any uh, closing? Comments, concerns, snide remarks, uh, to quote a professor I had in college. Snide remarks, that's a good one. The three people who saw the tweet and listened to this podcast will get what I just did. <laughs> Never forget that was my joke. <laughs> I, I remember. Uh, I know the originator of this tweet. No, Dave did it much better. Mm. <laughs> I was so angry when I saw it. <laughs> Just objectively better. Um, yeah. So check out Dave Cap Bianco on Twitter. Mm-hmm. We should have uh, had him on for this episode. We should have had him on. I should – okay. Do you mind doing some of the outro while I look up what his actual handle is? Yeah, yeah. Go for it. So uh, we'll be we'll, – we're going to wrap this up for now. Uh, I imagine there's a possibility we'll, we'll, we may dissect other moves in the future. Or hopefully get to do this all again next year for the winter meetings. Uh, uh, though that's obviously a long way off. Um, do I have, um, you, you'd think I'd be better prepared to do the outro stuff, you know? Oh, that's okay. I can take it over now. I found, uh, Dave's handle. It's at okay. Dave, D-A-V-E, cap, C-A-P, 96. At Dave Cap 96. I'd also like to recommend that everybody follow. Should have looked it up before I decided to do this bit. Everyone follow Richard Staff. Oh, God. Uh, for his no. baseball analysis. Rich is clearly going places in the industry. You can follow him at Staff, S-T-A-F-F, 7998. And uh, please... Check out the site at AmazonAvenue.com, as well as its accounts on social media at Amazon Avenue on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, again, I'm Ken Lavin at KenLavin91. I was joined by Lucas Vlahos at LVlahos343. That was just written on my outline, so I read it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can find this show as well as all the other great shows the site has to offer. 
uh, including Unfermentable, a pot of their own. Lucas, I'm so... <laughs> We're almost there. Come on. You can, you can... <laughs> a pot of their own. Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. The aforementioned from Complex to Queens. And uh, AA Audio in Conversation on the Amazing Avenue feed in Apple Podcasts, where we also encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And uh, until potentially next year, let's go Mets. Thanks again.